You may recall back on Your Money, Your Wealth, episode number 184, Joe and Big Al mentioned that they've been called the Roth Brothers in the past. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, episode 212, they're going to show us why. It's an entire episode of your Roth IRA questions. The fellas explain the mechanics of basis when it comes to Roth conversions. Plus, what happens if you've already contributed to your Roth IRA for the year, but by the end of the year, you've exceeded the income limitation for Roth contributions? Can you open a Roth IRA for your 12-year-old daughter who's raking in the babysitting bucks? And what happens to your Roth IRA when you die? But first, not everyone agrees that the Roth IRA is such a great thing. Rick Edelman has some strong arguments against it. Here with their thoughts are the Roth brothers themselves, Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. This is a question that we have received a few times in the past, Alan. Okay. And this is from April from Illinois. Okay. Um, we used to do a full segment on this, didn't we? Usually, what 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 is Rick Edelman saying? <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. She's like, "All right, well, what do you think of Rick Edelman's opinion of Roth IRAs?" So, first disclosure: I'm a, a big fan of Rick. Um, I, Alan, I know Rick personally. Yeah, we do. Uh, that's a name drop. If you're not in the industry, you probably don't know what we're talking about. But if you're in the industry, you go, oh, oh, oh yeah. those guys know Rick Edelman. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, I know him by name. <laughs> How about that? You, you, well, and he, he, knows me, he knows by, me by name when he looks at my name tag. Yes. <laughs> at so, conferences I go to. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, there's, I, I think there's difference of opinions in some of the planning that we do versus what his firm does. Yeah, I, I would say there's probably more similarities than differences, but we, we do have differences. I think our investment philosophy are almost right on. Pretty close, yeah. Pretty close there. Okay. I think w- when you look at Social Security benefits, strategies or claiming strategies to pension, eh, I mean, to life insurance, all of it. Uh, but when it comes to taxes... We differ. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, here's the reason why I believe is that we are a smaller boutique registered investment advisor with CPAs on staff. Um, We have a very strong financial planning process that monitors all the financial planning that goes through. And we spend a lot of money basically on very good talent to make sure that we provide a phenomenal product in regards to planning. Right, which includes a huge emphasis on income taxes, which most firms don't really do, including Rick's firm. And I think there's liability there. Yes, I, there is. Right? Yeah, we're taking a chance. It's so, <laughs> We're not taking a chance. It's <laughs> that we're giving value that most firms don't necessarily want to because it's like, well, here, they can get tax advice from their CPA. Right. They can get their tax advice from their... Um, enrolled agent or whatever. They can do it on their own. We don't want to get in that business. We're in the business of helping them build their wealth via through asset management. Right. 90% of their focus is more or less investment management. You can get a financial plan through for Edelman or any of these other really fine financial planning firms for maybe a couple hundred bucks. It's not a financial plan in my opinion. It's a cash flow analysis just to see if you're on track or not. They might run a couple Monte Carlos and it'll take them 15 minutes to put together. And it really helps them to identify how many other assets that you have really to see, okay, well, what can we do and how much money can we manage? And I think that's a fact with a lot of firms. And there's nothing wrong with that because they're helping them, A, create a net worth statement, which is key, and then looking at, well, what do they need to do with the net worth to help them grow? And if their firm's helping them build wealth, well, God bless them. 
We take a little bit different stance to say, okay, well, yes, building wealth is key, but how can you also build wealth from things that you can control? And taxes, in our opinion, are a huge thing that you can control. And so the biggest emphasis that we made since day one with Peer Financial Advisors is that, all right, we want to have coordinations of different professionals, CPAs, attorneys, certified financial planners, money managers, all sitting around the same table looking at things with an objective viewpoint. Uh, and I think that's what made us what one of the fastest growing financial planning firms here in the nation. April from Illinois, uh, she had uh, sent us a little excerpt from, I think, Rick Edelman's and did they change his name too? Is it now Edelman Financial Engines? Is mm. that the, the is that the uh, official name? That I don't know. Okay, um, and th- sent that to us about his opinion on Roth IRAs. If you've ever listened to our show before, you probably have gathered that Al and I are pretty large fans of uh, Roth IRAs, and so she wanted to get our opinion. And so let me read this real quick of what Edelman says about Roths, and then uh, we can rebuttal here. Uh, from Edelman, he's like, first ask yourself, what's the goal of investing? Why put money into an IRA in the first place? Obviously, the goal is to accumulate wealth, as much wealth as you possibly can on an after-tax basis. Uh, the question then becomes, what type of IRA produces more wealth, the traditional or the Roth? Uh, the answer might surprise you, says Edelman. Uh, if you run the numbers on a spreadsheet, which isn't hard to do, you'll quickly discover the answer is neither. It's a wash. There's no difference. If you convert to a Roth, you trigger a tax immediately, but converting won't increase your wealth. So why pay a tax right now that you don't have to pay? Let's stop there, Al. Okay. Let's l- l- break so, this down. What's he talking about? So he, all right. So he's saying, so you pay the tax now, and and then you've got lesser to invest, right? Or you don't pay the tax, you get a higher balance, but then you pay the tax later, a higher tax. But when you do the math, all things being equal, you end up with the same net number. So, for instance, if I had a hundred thousand um, dollars in an IRA, right. and let's say I had twenty five thousand dollars outside of my IRA, so I had one hundred twenty five thousand dollars total. Okay, so that's your net worth. That's my net worth. Hundred grand in an IRA, twenty five thousand dollars in a brokerage account. Got it. Okay. And if I decided to convert that $100,000 into a Roth IRA, um, the Roth IRA goes in, or the hundred grand of the IRA goes into the Roth. Now I have $100,000 in a Roth. Right. But I have to pay tax to get the 100000 in, and let's assume I'm in the 25% rate. Okay. So that cost me $25,000 in tax. Okay. Is that fair? Does that make it, sense? It does. So you did the Roth, and so now your net worth is only 100000 because you lost 25000 to tax. Correct. So, the, so, so you immediately went backwards. I went backwards. Yeah. It's like, why in hell would you do this? <laughs> so $125,000 is my net worth. And then if I did the Roth conversion, I have to pay the tax up front to get that money to grow tax-free. Right. So now I have 100000 in the Roth. Sure. But let's say you go 10 years out and the money doubles. It grows at 7%. Okay. So now that $100,000 is worth 200000 but it's all tax-free. That's pretty cool. In the Roth, yeah. In the Roth. Rick Edelman's point is this. He's like, let's say you don't do anything. You keep the $100,000 in the IRA, you keep the $25,000 in your brokerage account, and you invest them the same. Sure. And let's assume they get a 7% rate of return over the 10 years, and then with that, it will double. Yeah. Okay, so that's 250000 So yeah, that 100000 is now two hundred. And then the twenty five is now fifty. Yeah. So in to- so your total net worth went from one hundred twenty five thousand to two hundred fifty thousand. So you're thinking, well, the two fifty is a lot more money than the two hundred in the Roth. In the Roth, yeah. 
But what are we forgetting? Yeah, you, when you take the money out of the Roth, you, or the IRA, you got to pay tax. So if I take the two hundred thousand dollars out of the IRA, what yeah. do I truly net? Yeah, twenty five percent tax rate, fifty thousand tax. So now you end up with two hundred thousand net, which is the same as what you had in the Roth. But how about that twenty five to fifty thousand dollars though? I have to pay tax on that too, right? If there's yeah, if there's gain, you bet. Well, you, well it did gain, right? Yeah. Twenty five to fifty. That's, so I got to pay true. a capital gains tax on that. True. So I think Rick's math is off a little bit too here. Well, and and plus, I mean, that's a that's like a, I don't know, like a like a lab textbook case. Yep. There's so many other variables that make this so much better. But that's but that's our starting point. So he's thinking, all right, well, it's a wash. If you pay off your mortgage, is do you increase your net worth? No. No. Because you took one asset and reduced a liability, so you got the same net worth. When we look at Roth conversions, that's how we look at it, is that we're paying off a mortgage. We're buying our partnership back from the IRS. Yeah, because you got to look at your IRA as though it's not all yours, because there's a tax component when you withdraw the funds. So there's a mortgage on the overall IRA, yeah. and so you're trying to figure out what's the best way to get rid of the mortgage or, or, or reduce the mortgage as much as you can. Sure. So by having money in a Roth IRA... And having money in a traditional IRA, there's many more benefits than just looking at a straight-line Excel spreadsheet evaluation. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Right. Uh, one of the biggest, in my opinion, is that you now have control on your distribution. How much that you pull from an IRA and then how much that you can pull from the Roth. Maybe you do a 50-50 split. Hey, I'm going to pull 50 percent from my IRA, 50% from my Roth IRA, that could keep me in a very low tax bracket, even though I have very high cash flow. Right. So you're you're managing your distributions to keep out of the higher tax brackets. That's one. Two, there is no required minimum distribution in Roth IRA. So that money can continue to compound for my life, spouse's life, kids' life. Right. Pretty good. Number three, asset location. So if I manage my affairs effectively from an asset location, I will probably have investments in my Roth IRA that have a higher expected rate of return than I would in a standard IRA, because all of the growth now is going to grow tax-free. Yeah, so then you have your, your lower expected return assets in your IRA, and you end up with a lot more after-tax money. So when I'm considering now the tax code itself of the tax reform has reduced marginal rates, what five of the seven marginal rates are yeah, now are lower are, are lower so in and some words, of them by a fairly rate, large margin tax rates are cheaper right now so does it make sense for me to pay a cheaper rate today than wait and pay a more expensive rate in the future that makes sense to me it so does. that's another I, I think a win for for doing Roth especially right now because very few taxpayers are subject to alternative minimum tax which substantially increases the tax rate plus we have lower rates then Joe you combine that with it's it's not, there's there's other tax planning strategies that you can do to lower your taxable income that allow you to do Roth conversions in a yet a lower tax bracket you just have to know what they are and if you put all of these things together and you do the same mathematics you come out much better doing the Roth IRA i will say if so if Congress, our government, decides to tax Roth IRAs... Well, let, let, let me finish what he, he wrote yeah, here. Okay. 
He goes, uh, you also asserted that the Roth avoids uh, the requirement to take distribution starting at 70 and a half. So I'm reading back to Rick's here. Okay. Uh, can you count on that forever? Be aware that President Obama inserted language in the 2015 budget that would require distributions from Roths at age 70 and a half, just as with traditional IRAs. So Rick is saying, hey, you know what? You like the fact that there is no RMDs? No. Nope. They might change that. They're going to change it. Barack Obama tried, but he failed. But they maybe could. Trump can do it or whoever's next. Uh, so that's one of my fears about Roth, says Rick. Uh, the government could change the rules at any time and do it retroactively. If you won't reach age 70 for another 20 years, you'll go through 10 Congress and maybe five presidents. Are you sure they won't ever change the rules? Consider that Ross will hold trillions of dollars by then. Money that's currently tax-free. That's a pretty tempting target for a legislator trying to generate tax revenue. All right. So what do you think? Changing the rules on RMDs, Al? <laughs> I, I, I would say the changing the rules on a Roth uh, to have RMDs, that could happen. But if it does happen, then that money comes out tax-free. You would have a little bit less control. But still, for all the reasons that we already mentioned, you come up in a, with a much better in, in a much better place. That I think the bigger concern is, will they change the whole structure and say, you know what, Social Security never used to be taxable. Now, and Roths are not taxable. Now, Social Security is taxable. Let's make Roths taxable. And I would say that's highly unlikely for that, just because whenever they've made changes in the retirement code before, they've always grandfathered the old, old stuff in. You know, uh, last comment on this is that most of the younger generation, the millennials, um, are putting most of their dollars into Roth IRAs. And so his argument here of saying, hey, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years from now, there'll be trillions of dollars in Roth IRAs. You don't think they're going to change it? But Rick, guess whose trillions of dollars that is? It's the people that are going to be in Congress. And who are they supporting? The people that have all the Roth IRAs that are not going to stand for that. They're not going to hurt themselves. If you've got money questions, go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com, scroll down and click Ask Joe and Al on air and send them a voice recording or an email. They'll respond right here on the show and we might even send you a video of their answer. And to learn how to keep the volatile stock market from wiping out your retirement savings, watch the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show online at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click special offer to download our white paper, Pursuing a Better Investment Experience. After this, there are only two episodes left in season five of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show. Subscribe on YouTube so you don't miss them. Now let's get to more of your money questions, or more specifically, let's get to more of your Roth IRA questions. Uh, we got Bill from Maryland. He wrote in this week. He said, thank you for the informative podcast. Of course, I have a Roth IRA question. 2018, my wife and I have a joint income that is close to the limit um, of us allowing for Roth contributions. Then I contribute the full 5500 during 2019. And by the end of the year, my 2019, our income exceeds the limit for contributing to a Roth. What happens next? Uh, so, Bill, your question is, if you contribute to a Roth IRA and then you find out that you exceeded the limit uh, for 2018 uh, for a married couple, what is that, $199,000? I think for 2019, it's 203 or 206. Yeah, for 2019, I got in front of me, it's 203,000 for joint, 137,000 for single. I think it was maybe two, 3,000 less for Yeah, 18. 199, 189 to 199. Okay. 
So Bill's question is that, all right, well, he contributed to the Roth IRA, and then maybe he gets a big bonus at the end of the year, and then his income exceeded that threshold where he is no longer able to put money into the Roth IRA, even though he already made the Roth IRA contribution. Yeah, and that's pretty common. I mean, that that happens all the time, because at the time you make the contribution, you think, well, I'm going to be under the limit, and then by the time the year ends, you're over the limit, so the IRS has to allow you a way to undo it. Well... And it's called jail, Bill. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not true. <laughs> you, you, you committed fraud, and you will be uh, escorted to uh, the local county uh, facility. No, it's called recharacterization. Uh, you just recharacterize those monies out of the IRA or the Roth IRA, uh, so you can take those monies back out of the overall account. No harm, no foul. There will be issues, though, with the gain. Yeah, you have to recharacterize that also. <clears throat> Uh, that would be a taxable event. Yes, it would. So let's say you put the $5,500 in, you get $6,000. It's in a Roth IRA. You over-contributed to the overall account. So $5,500 is recharacterized out of the account. Uh, you could put it in an IRA right? if you wanted to. You could. And then what would happen there, that's what I would do. I would recharacterize it back into an IRA. And then now I have the $5,500. It would have full basis in that, and I would just convert it back into the Roth. Yeah, later. Yeah, why not? Or the next day. That's the workaround, isn't it? Right. And and by the way, the recharacterization... Unless, unless Bill has other yes. IRAs, then you have to follow the pro rata yes, and aggregation yes, rules. So I was going to say timing. So you have to do this by the due date of your return, which would be April 15th, unless you extend. It would be October 15th. So... I mean, Bill, if you're close, why don't you just wait until January, February, March of the following year to make those contributions? Yeah, that is one way to go. But on the other hand, it's nice to make your Roth contribution early to get a full year's of growth tax-free if you, in fact, do qualify. So that would be the advantage of doing it that way. But then you have this – you just have to check and see where you're at 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 year-end. And then if you do have to recharacterize, make sure you do it timely. So you recharacterize, and then the gains that come out will be a taxable event to you. Yeah, and if you don't do this timely, then you get excise taxes and other penalties. So just be aware of that. Yeah, and if you keep it in the Roth when it shouldn't be in the Roth, it's, what, 6% per year right? Uh, excise tax of the, the balance. So, um, so yeah. And, and, you know, the IRS is getting a lot better at looking at balances and, you know, with the new 5498 form. Yeah, they're getting more information from, right. from the custodians. So, yeah, I would agree with that. I think they are getting better. We got David from North Carolina, the Tar Heel State. Hi, guys. I have a question about federal taxes on non-deductible traditional IRA contributions in moving money from a 401k to a Roth. I'm going to use roundabout numbers to try to simplify my example. All right, David, what do you got? Let's say I have made $20,000 of non-deductible traditional IRA contributions. So first of all, what a non-deductible IRA contribution is, is that anyone can contribute to a traditional IRA. And if you make too much income, you can no longer take the tax deduction. And it's about $66,000 if you're single, about $121,000 if you're married, something like that. Yeah, you are in the ballpark. So for 2019, 123000 married, 74000 single is the upper limits as upper to what, limits. You, what you can do that. Okay. So um, so he's assuming he's going to make this $20,000 IRA contribution does not take the deduction. Sure, because his income was too high. 
The account has no net gain or loss and still worth $20,000. This is the only IRA money I have. I also have a 401k plan with $200,000 and am no longer working. I would like to gradually migrate that 401k money to a Roth. Also assume this 401k account has no net investment gain or loss over the coming years. All right. I could roll the entire $200,000 into an IRA and then convert 20000 of it each year. My understanding is that the first year, about 91% of the $20,000 would be treated as taxable income. The second year, 90%, down to 50% when the IRA has $40,000 and no taxable income in the final year when it has $20,000. If my math is right in total, about 141000 of the 220000 of the two accounts will be treated as taxable income. Uh, no, your math is... <laughs> let's, I don't know, David, where you're getting your math from. But. Let's, let's stop there, because I do know how he got it, and it's, and it's not correct, unfortunately. So what he's doing, Joe, is he is taking the $20,000 basis and keeping that flat Tw- the yes. entire time. He's keeping the $20,000 basis flat. Yeah, so, so here's what you're missing, David, is, is that first year when you do that conversion. So $20,000 is basis, $220,000 is the total. So you divide the 20 into 220, and you get that uh, you get 9%. Right? Right. So in other words, 91% is taxable, 9% is tax-free. I mean, that's the way that that works. Now, because, and that's, that in round numbers, it's about $2,000, just to keep it like super simple. So the next year, now your basis is $18,000, not $20,000. You have to relieve your basis on what went over to the Roth tax-free so that your 91% will stay fixed all the way through the whole thing, assuming that the count didn't grow. Right. Or, yeah. so, so I guess, David, did, uh, because he said that, right? My account's not going to grow. So let's yeah. just assume that. Sure. It's going to be 91% the entire time. The whole time. The whole time. The whole time. In the, in the last year, when you have 20000 left, you'll only have $2,000 of basis, right? So that's, that's the math. Um, but, I, but I like the creativity. Yes. Which now means the next paragraph is N-A. But. Alternatively, <laughs> each year I could roll over my... Uh, uh, roll over into the IRA only the twenty thousand I intend to recharacterize to my Roth. Here, David, why are you making this so hard? If you if, if this were actually a true statement that you have a four hundred one k plan and you have twenty thousand dollars of basis in a non deductible IRA, convert the IRA right now. Yes, because there's no tax. There at would all. be zero tax. The twenty thousand dollars goes directly into the Roth. All future growth of that twenty thousand dollars will grow one hundred percent tax free. Then you convert from the 401k to the Roth IRA each year, depending on your tax bracket. And you can roll from the 401k to an IRA, but you have to wait till next year. In other words, it's the it's your total IRA balances at year end that determine how much is taxable versus tax free. So you do the conversion right now, twenty thousand, no tax. Next year, you can roll your 401k to an IRA if you want to, and then continue your conversions, although you'll pay tax on whatever you convert. Yes. That's the right answer. But you can see where he was coming from. He was coming from, hey, I found this loophole where I could just keep this and, and, and keep getting to use it over and over again, and that's not the way the IRS looks at it. So um, I don't think i got to read any more because it's all— We already answered it because the, the alternative is incorrect, too. Right. So— Sorry, David. Hopefully that helps. But if that were the if if you wanted to continue to work, let's say, or work part time, 
I would still tell you to keep your money into the 401k plan because then what you could do is you could continue to do the non-deductible IRA contributions and then continue to convert them year after year after year with zero tax because you still have basis in that IRA. Everything else is in the 401k. The IRS is not going to look at the pro rata and aggregation rules. And so if you want to double check Alan I's answer uh, via the code, uh, just look at the, the pro rata and aggregation rules of conversions with basis. Um, so then that will give you a better idea, too, if you don't fact check. If you but, want to fact but, check but I love the creativity. I love the fact that at the end he says, thanks, I enjoy the podcast. Well, well, thank you, David. <laughs> All right. We got uh, Ted from San Diego. Ted says this, hey, thanks for the quick retirement calculator guide, Alan. Uh, My question is, in step one, the tool uses net income as a guide, but that would not factor taxes on deferred income, pension, or Social Security. Would it be safe to multiply step one by 1.4 for California if one wanted to have $120,000 per year net? So um, break this down for us in um, a minute or two. What Ted? What, what, what the heck Ted's talking about? Well, Ted, Ted is talking about a calculator I put down, but which, by the way, is on our website. It's mm-hmm. the Quick Retirement Calculation Guide. YourMoneyYourWealth.com. So YourMoneyYourWealth.com. Go into the financial resources. It's one of our white papers. So, so what's on that is you you estimate your living expenses in retirement. You use an inflation <laughs> factor to get to what that is. You subtract your fixed income, and then you end up with a shortfall. You multiply that shortfall by twenty five, and that gives you an approximate idea what your savings should be. That's that's what that is. Now uh, this calculator is meant to be just a simple thing to see if you're in the in the ballpark. right ballpark yeah, yeah. keyword but, quick <laughs> yeah quick but uh, but I, I guess to, to answer the question yeah if if you add the tax component that's probably better probably 1.4 is a little bit high I might divide it by 0.75 and I might get like closer to 160,000 but it depends upon your tax bracket and whether you're married, all kinds of stuff, really. So it's it's just a quick guide. Yeah, and uh, Ted, I guess maybe to piggyback off that is that Alan, I see individuals often uh, that really don't understand the math of how much money that they need to create the income that they're accustomed to. Right. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, hey, I'm used to spending. Like Ted here wants to spend, let's say, one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. So let's say Ted comes into the office and says, "Hey, uh, Big Al, um, here's my plan. I want to spend one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. My Social Security benefits maybe twenty thousand dollars. So hundred grand needs to come from the overall portfolio, and I have, you know, half a million dollars saved. Right. You know, and we would say, you know what? That's not enough that's, because that's, right. you're you're short. So this helps people just to say, all right, well, am I close? Am I on track? Am I not on track? Do I have to save a heck of a lot more money? Or you know what? Hey, I'm feeling pretty confident with my spending levels and the amount of assets that I have plus my fixed income. Check the show notes for today's podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to download that quick retirement calculator guide and the Roth IRA basics guide. And hey, keywords here are quick and basic. These will give you an overview of these concepts. Another keyword is free. These resources are free for you to download just for listening to Your Money, Your Wealth. If you need more help with your specific situation, you could always schedule a free two-meeting assessment with a certified financial planner just by clicking the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Or you could scroll down the page a little bit to ask Joe and Al on air and send the fellas a voice recording or an email, just like Michael did. Michael, hello, Joe and uh, Al. Thank you, Michael, for putting me first. (laughs) (laughs) Could could you um, explain about the Roth IRA, 
What happens to the money after we die? Uh, we will leave about a million dollars in a Roth. So a couple bullet points here. Does the beneficiary have to dis- distribute the money within five years or suffer a penalty? Does five years start from the time they receive the inheritance? Okay, let's answer that one first. Sure. Michael, it depends on who you name as your beneficiary. Is going to determine how the money is going to be distributed out. With a Roth IRA at death with no designated beneficiary, uh, the five-year rule applies. What does the beneficiary need to do? So now he's saying that there is a beneficiary. So the beneficiary needs to change the title on the account. Yeah, and I think this is most important. And, and so how should the beneficiary change the title? It, it's going to say, Michael deceased on whatever date Michael died for the benefit of his children. So Michael's name is still in there, right? For yes. Deceased with a date for the benefit of the child, right? Something like that. So then they are now the beneficial owners of that overall account. They will have to take a required minimum distribution based on their life expectancy. Right. Even though it's a Roth IRA, it's a beneficiary IRA, it's a stretch IRA, they're going to have to take an RMD based on their life. Uh, finally, our children will not need the money to live on. How can they leave it to their heirs? They can disclaim it. They don't have to take it. They can disclaim that overall um, asset and disclaim it to their beneficiaries. That gets extremely complicated because we're talking about a Roth IRA, um, and we can answer that in a little bit. Uh, We love your show. We watch all your shows through YouTube. Joe, you remind us of Dennis the Menace. Classic TV show we once enjoyed watching. Thank you and God bless. I never thought he was Dennis the Menace. Dennis the Menace, Michael. But now I can see it. Troublemaker. That's why that's your middle name. Dennis the Menace. (laughs) I don't don't know if if that's a compliment. It's absolutely a compliment. Um, Great questions, Michael. Um, Dennis the Menace, bit of a rebel. Yes. That's you. Definitely a menace. Yes. Um, All right. So we got a couple emails from people that didn't want to leave a name. Anonymous, that's a name. Thank you. Uh, can I open a Roth IRA in my daughter's name? She is earning money from babysitting. She is 12 years old. Thank you. Uh, yeah, if um, she's got earned income. Yeah, she's going to have to report it, though. She's got to file a tax Because not everyone reports their babysitting, babysitting money income. Did you? I've never babysat a day in my <laughs> life. Well, I babysit every single day of my life, actually. i got 78 babies that i Look after 78, isn't it? 78 or 80? How many people we got here? Oh, at Pure? Yeah. Yeah, okay, I got you. I suppose you report that income then. <laughs> yes, I do. I do report that <laughs> income. It's not enough. No. Well, how does someone do it, I guess, is a yeah, better okay. question. Well, first of all, so a, a Roth IRA is it's a retirement account that you contribute to, and you do, do not get a tax deduction, but the money grows tax free in the account. And so when it's withdrawn later, presumably in retirement, then all the proceeds are tax-free. So there's no age limit. Somebody that's 12 and has babysitting income could open an account. They probably don't have the resources to do it, but grandma's thinking maybe she'll do it or mom will do it, whatever. So in that particular case, yes, that can be done. So the mom or the grandma opens the account, you know, in the daughter's name, right? And so and so it's a, it's a Roth IRA I guess, would it be a, a minor account? I'll ask you that question probably, huh? Uh, yeah. So a minor Roth account? I've never actually done one, but that seems like that's what it would be probably. Yeah, we've done them a, a few times because we have that program 40 under 40. Yeah, right, right. And so we've had some custodial 
I yeah. guess is what they're really called for yeah. the technical name. Okay, got it. But just from a legality or, or tax standpoint, as long as there's earned income up to $5,500, right. she could contribute to $5,500, but she's got to prove that she made $5,500, so she's got to file a tax return, even though she probably is not going to pay tax on that $5,500 because the, the standard deduction is going to be more than that. Yeah, except she might have to pay self-employment tax on Absolutely. that, yeah, which is part of it. And you just alluded to one of the keys here, because a lot of times when you're younger and you're doing babysitting, even though technically you're supposed to report it as income, does that happen? Not regularly. I'm <laughs> just being honest right. here. Right. And so if you want to open up an IRA for your daughter, granddaughter, whatever, uh, then they're going to have to file a tax return and show earned income for you then to contribute in a Roth IRA in their name. So it's and, worth it. Yeah. And the, and the way it works, so, so let's just say she made $2,000 uh, babysitting income, then you could open up a Roth IRA for $2,000. You can't do any more. You could do less. The maximum is $5,500, right? And so if she earned up to that amount, you could max it out. But otherwise, you're limited to the earned income. So get her to file a tax return, and then she can file the higher of the two, $5,500 or 6000 for 2019 or her earned income. Yeah, now sometimes what folks do, if they have a business, so they get their kids on the payroll, as long as they can justify the kid is earning Wages, wage. yeah, doing something for that wage, yeah, that's a, and it's appropriate pay. You can't, kid can't show up for one hour and get paid ten thousand dollars. It it doesn't, it's not going to fly with the IRS. So so they actually have to be doing something bona fide and getting fair pay for that. But once they do that, so it's income to the child who's in a low tax bracket. It's a deduction to you as the business owner, and now the child has earned income that you could open up a Roth account for them. This is particularly important, I think, Joe, when, when kids are in college or close to college. You put your kids on the payroll, you get a tax deduction, and then they, take, they, they pay tax on it, but they have a low tax rate. And then they, they take the money that they're making from the business and they use it to pay for college. And in a roundabout way, you sort of pay for colleges, college expenses and get a tax deduction that way. Yeah. I mean, this is only applies to small businesses. And then, sure. I mean, there's been all sorts of ideas that come across our desk is, well, I'm going to create an internet business. Right. <laughs> right. That's not really a business. Yes. Right. And we're going to create expenses, and then I'm going to put the family on a payroll, and then and, we're going to create the payroll and, and run it through. And Right. No, we see that. Yeah. So if <laughs> you have to have a profit motive. And so, and the way to show a profit motive is actually to make some sales, right? So, how many years? What what's the leniency here um, for me being a really bad business owner, <laughs> right? Let's well, say that, if I, you yeah. know, hey, I'm, I'm, I started my business, yeah. So what? Two years? Yeah, a couple. And then of years. it's a hobby. Is well, that the rule? It could be. So, so the the rule is this: you're supposed to show a profit three out of five years. Uh, otherwise, the hobby loss rules could come into play. But as a longtime CPA watching the IRS administer this rule, you could be a great business owner and lose money for 10 years because you're developing a technology or like some of the drug companies that are trying to discover a new miracle drug. They, it may be 20 years before they, they actually make a profit. So that that really is not so much the issue. The issue is that if you are not making a profit in three out of five years, you, be, you better be able to show that you have a business, right? In other words, it, it can't be, oh, I'm a, I'm a coin collector, and I'm going to make money selling coins, and five years go by, and you never had a sale, 
That, that, that's what they're trying to get at. Right. Well, we have a client that does very well collecting buttons. We, yeah, that's right? true. You're right about that. You know? Yeah, it's so like, it, um, it can be done. And they're, I mean, I mean, these are pretty rare buttons. <laughs> but, we, you know, the first time we heard it, we're like, buttons. Yeah. I, and I thought, I'd, you know, right. I was like, really, Barry, buttons? <laughs> and then, yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wow. Man, yeah, you can make a you can make a lot of money. Yeah, apparently, who yeah. knew, right? Yeah, she's killing it. I need a button on one of my suit. I, I, it broke. I need to need to call her up. Well, that would be kind of cool because you could get a very I could get a really might cool be a really button. expensive yeah, button, like yeah. a ten thousand dollar button. <laughs> yeah, big ass I'd, suit. I'd make her year. Yeah, <laughs> make you look like a d hole. <laughs> well, it, and that well, and that suit has, gosh, it, it has the two coat buttons, and it probably has four buttons on each sleeve. Did you lost them all? No, just one. But I, I want to get a matching set, so well, that might cost, then, that might cost a hundred thousand. And if you good. get fancy buttons, then you have to worry about them falling off too. True. Yeah. Okay, that's it for us. We'll see you again next week for Big Al Clopin. I'm Joe Anderson. Show's called Your Money Well. If you've got money questions, go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Scroll down and click Ask Joe and Al on air, and send them a voice recording or an email. They'll respond right here on the show. And if your question's a good one, I'll send you a video of their answer. Check today's podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com for links to share and subscribe to the podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can listen on YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free two-meeting financial assessment with a certified financial planner, just click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Bring on those Roth questions. These fellows have got the answers. See you next week, friends.